All right. Well, the podcast is back, and I'm super excited. Uh, I've been trying to track down this guy for a long time. I've been trying to track down his book for even longer, Dave Fornell. And he authored about 30 years ago the Firestream Management Handbook that has been the reference guide for Andy, Andy Fredericks, Dennis Laguerre, Brian Brush, and, and, and a, a bunch of other people doing great things in the fire service. So please give it up. I had a great time talking to him, the Deputy Fire Commissioner for the City of Detroit Fire Department, Dave Fornell. Commissioner Fornell, how's it going? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing just fine, Dave. I, I do appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, talk with me this morning, especially on a Saturday. Not a problem. Not a problem. Um, Dave, I, I'll be honest with you, man. So when I was uh, looking into uh, uh, reaching out to you and contacting you, you know, every time I would approach a Google search with 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 your name, it kept populating on Detroit Fire, and I was like, "This guy is not on Detroit Fire. He's he's not like he's a different guy." I'm I'm getting like Chicago area, Connecticut area, like New England, and so I had like just restarted over, and then I looked for your book, and the book was like three four thousand dollars on Amazon, and so anyway, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I wish I would have kept a couple cases of those, but. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm I'm going through I'm trying to like figure out um you know how to contact you because every piece of like nozzle flow water movement anything water related like you are always so high on the work cited page of people like Brian Brush Dennis Laguerre um, Andy Frederick you know all these guys that that I, I've come to like learn o- over the years in, in in yourself included and then. I uh, I match a couple photos and I'm like this damn guy from Detroit is the same the same freaking guy, and he's 35 minutes away from my from from where I work. I couldn't. I, yeah. So I, you know I uh, I couldn't believe it. So again, Dave, I I really do appreciate uh, uh, your your time and and especially all the work you've done um, in the fire service. And before I get into kind of your genesis on what brought the book on, um, how did you? Um, pick up the job in Detroit? How did that come about? Well, it's, um, uh, I, I've known people up here for years and years. And of course, um, uh, you know, lived down in Ohio and near the Dayton area, actually in Troy, Ohio. And, uh, so I would come up here and ride and, um, uh, and, uh, then, you know, that, um, they had, oh, back in 2014, I mean, the fire department was just totally falling apart. There was, there was, uh, We've had, uh, we had, uh, four, um, uh, or I guess it was three fire commissioners, uh, you know, within three years and, and, um, um, you know, kind of a lot of, a lot of problems with it. So, um, uh, I was up here actually writing and, um, I got a call from someone that said, where are you? And I said, well, yeah, I'm squad three and stay there. I'll be, I'll be over in a minute. And uh, so a guy comes over and, and he, uh, uh, says, come on out in the back here. And, um, and, uh, so we would, he said, I don't want any, I don't want anybody to hear. So we go out in the parking lot behind the fire station and he, uh, he hands me, um, uh, you know, a piece of paper with a telephone number. He said, call this guy. He's going to be the new fire commissioner. Of course, you know, there, there was a fire commissioner and nobody ever said anything or there wasn't anything in the papers that the mayor was going to fire this guy or whatever. And so, uh, uh, I called up and it was Eric Jones and, uh, Eric, uh, you know, retired from the uh, police department as the assistant chief. And then uh, he came back uh, uh, and was in the, the, the buildings, <clears throat> the building section, and running that for the mayor. And, and uh, so it ended up that um, uh, I, I told the guys, I said, "Listen, I got to go," and um, uh, ended up coming up to Roseville and going to Coles and, and buying $150 worth of clothes. And the next day, Eric and I met. And uh, and uh, uh, Eric again is a phenomenal administrator, uh, but you know he. And, and again, he's, he's had his entire life in, um, in the public safety, but what he didn't, uh, uh, you know, he, he needed kind of someone to help him. Uh, one of the big problems was with the apparatus and, um, and, uh, uh you know, the, the, there wasn't, if, you know, the stuff was falling apart in the streets, there was, there was not a program there. <clears throat> you couldn't get equipment. Um, um, you know, for example, um, um, you know, during the bankruptcy, um, they're saying, gee, we have no toilet paper. So Procter and Gamble sent two, two tractor trailers full of toilet paper up here, donated to, to Detroit. But what they didn't know, there was over a million rolls in the warehouse. They didn't give out. <laughs> you know, it was it, 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 it was like a management thing. So uh, so in any event, uh, uh, 
what uh, uh, what Eric was looking for was someone with with the vast fire service knowledge. So, uh, but but to, to give you the background is that uh, you know I've been a fire officer. I've been uh, you know again writing. Um, uh, and also I, I was in the news business too. So in my checkered career, <clears throat> I was a, a bureau chief of, of United Press International in New Orleans and then and went uh, to work at the New York Times sports picture editor. So when I was there and I was driving, I was driving back and forth or, or uh, you know, uh, actually taking the train back and forth because uh, we lived in Danbury, Connecticut. And um, uh, then I, I started the, you know, what really started this whole thing off was uh, uh, Hackensack, uh, New Jersey had a fire. This was many years ago. And and um, uh, there was a, a, an outfit called uh, FETN, Fire and Emergency Training Network. And they and they would actually send out videos weekly. Well, they did a whole, uh, there was a, a number of firefighters killed in that fire. Um, you know, they didn't recognize it was a bowstring truss roof and, and everything. But um, when I was looking at the video, um, um, they, they know the firefighters are trapped. They, the firefighters are on the radio that said, we're trapped, come get us. And, and all of that. And they were trying to fight this humongous fire, um, with a, with a Navy nozzle, a uh, two and a half inch nozzle. And of course the Navy nozzle was never designed for structural firefighting. This was the dealership uh, was fire, right? Pardon me? Was this the, uh, the, the dealership fire in Hackensack? Yeah. The Hackensack Ford. Yep. yep. Okay. Keep yep. going. Sorry. Yeah. And, um, and, and so I said, you know, why on earth did they have that thing on there? And then I started thinking about it. Well, you know, maybe, <clears throat> maybe um, uh, there's a, uh, you know, maybe, you know, we need to write about water flow. We need to write about things. So um, uh, it ended up that, you know, luckily, you know, here I, you know, I walked into fire engineering's offices and Tommy Brennan was the editor at the time. Um, and then there was another gentleman that, uh, that handled the books. And um, uh, so I went in there and, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, and of course, Tommy Brennan was, you know, quite a drinker. And he says, well, come on, kid. And we go to a bar downstairs and, and, um, and he sat back and said, you know, I've gone a hundred thousand fires and all this kind of stuff. Cause you know, of course he was in New York for many years. And he said, so what makes you, I mean, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, why do you think you could write something like this? And I said, well, you've done a lot of stuff, Tommy. And I understand what you're saying. I said, but have you ever fought a barn fire with a garden hose? And, and he kind of looked at me and said, yeah, I guess, you know, but anyway, so, so we cut the deal with fire engineering to do the book. And, uh, I actually, uh, uh, wrote it, uh, you know, on the train, I would, um, uh, now again, the computer that I had, it, you know, it was written in DOS. I mean, if you can go back that far, you know, <laughs> and, um, uh, and, uh, and so I would take, and I had a pen printer and I, I would, I would come home at night, uh, and it would get home about, uh, well, you know, probably 1130 at night. And, uh, my wife is already in bed and, uh, I'd go downstairs, I would make something to eat and go downstairs and, and, um, uh, and, and write and then print it out. And then the next day I'd, on the train, I would correct it and do changes and that type of thing. And then I had a, a number of friends that, um, uh, that, uh, you know, were kind of supporting me. And, and, um, and, uh, so I would, I would uh, go ahead and send this out. I would, I would make copies and send it to them. And, uh, you know, there's no internet in those days. And, uh, uh, and, and so that's, that's kind of how the book came around. Now, uh, at that at that time, I was uh, also a captain um, uh, on a on a volunteer fire company in Danbury. Danbury, <clears throat> at that time, had uh, had the four uh, paid engines and a paid uh, ladder company, and then you know they did EMS, uh, and then the, and then the fire administration, and then under that um, um, there were there were nine volunteer companies, and um, and uh, excuse me, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, 14 volunteer companies. And so we would respond, you know, they would tone us out. We would respond, you know, with the, uh, uh, with the career department. And, uh, and at that point we were pretty busy. <clears throat> and uh, so we ended up, uh, you know, ended up buying a new rig and, uh, and, uh, and uh, people would, you know, once, once everybody got the hang of it, that I was doing this book, um, uh, you know, we had, you know, the nozzle companies, host companies and everything would come in and give us stuff. And then, of course, you know, we'd all go out on Sunday morning with a rig and, and uh, do some hose laying and, and all that stuff and testing and, and that type of thing. And uh, so, so it ended up kind of snowballing from there. And, uh, and, uh, but, but, the, but the genesis of the whole thing was, was seeing uh, the Hackensack Fire Department trying to put out a major fire with a, with a nozzle that only flowed probably 120 gallons a minute, you know. And, uh, and so, that, so that's, what kind of what, um, that's kind of what started everything. So uh, in answer to your question about um, 
about how, what happened in Detroit. So uh, uh, again, I've had the background of the newspaper business. I uh, um, uh, ended up taking, uh, after many years, took a buyout from the New York Times and then um, then uh, went into the turnout business. I ended up writing a story about turnouts and all of a sudden I was a I was a, a, an expert in that, and, uh, and that's in quotes. It's not sure, yeah. Uh, not patting myself on the back, but but anyway. So uh, then all of a sudden, Boston called, and uh, uh, they um, uh, they needed some help with their turnout program. And New York City called, and um, they were they were going to bunker pants, and um, and uh, they they were they were testing all this stuff. And uh, Don Devine uh, was the assistant chief of department, and. Um, and uh, he was running this whole thing, and uh, they needed some help there. So I kind of came in and was like an unpaid consultant. So, uh, uh, so I was able to, you know, I was able to do some things. And uh, and uh, for the work in New York, I was made an honorary battalion chief. And uh, so, uh, so that was kind of, you know, that's a, incredible, a, a nice honor. Absolutely. <clears throat> so anyway, so anyway, so uh, uh, I had background there. I, uh, I went to work. Uh, uh, when I left the New York Times, when I left the New York Times, I was there. Um, the buyout was like I, I got like two years salary, two years, uh, 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 you know, medical. So the good news was I was able to work on all these projects and everything, and I finished the book, and um, uh, and then um, uh, went to work for uh, Morning Pride uh, as their sales manager, a turnout gear company, and then um, uh, ending up uh, uh, went to work then uh, for Ferrera. Um, uh, as their first regional manager, and uh, so I so I've had background. I mean, there, I've worked for other uh, uh, turnout companies and other um, uh, other uh, you know fire truck companies and that type of thing. So so I had the background in apparatus, background in turnout gear, background in the news business and that type of thing, and um, and uh, uh, so uh, I, I came to I came on board in uh, in October of 2015, and I was a, a senior consultant, okay, to the com new commissioner. And um, and uh, the commissioner just kind of wanted to sort things out. The commissioner before him, uh, you know, the, 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 in the Detroit Fire Department, there on the uh, uh, on the seventh floor is the executive offices, you know, the commissioner's offices and that type of thing. And then on, and then on the sixth floor, the uh, um, you know is, is is the firefighting and EMS, you know, the department the heads, the chiefs, and all that stuff are there. And uh, but but they never the, the other the, the commissioner before the two floors never communicated. Which was a problem, and of course, that's the first thing Jones did. Is like, no, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna all get together here. We're gonna staff meetings every week, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, and and so uh, it, it's just you know like management 101. And, and uh, Eric did a fantastic job bringing that to the fire department, bringing you know that the fifth, you know, the, or the sixth floor up, and and, and uh, you know the inter the interchange, so we all knew what was going on, and um, and so it ended up that uh, uh, everybody had to put in for their job. Uh, on the uh, Detroit Fire Department, uh, the department heads are all appointed by the uh, commissioner. <clears throat> so it ended up that uh, uh, when you know we, we we were kind of reviewing resumes, we were we were interviewing people, and so um, uh, in March of 2016, the commissioner uh, announced his his staff, uh, you know, his cabinet, so to speak. Yeah, and that's that's when I was made uh, deputy fire commissioner. So uh, so since that time, I you know basically. Uh, uh, you know, I, I do my administrative stuff, but I handle the apparatus, I handle logistics, I handle supplies, I handle, you know, the buildings, that type of thing. So there was a, a and, and to be honest with you, everything I've ever done in my life kind of fit in, you know, and uh, and so uh, a lot of experience and that type of thing. And uh, so uh, the good news is that I just enjoy the heck out of the job, and uh, and uh, uh, we've got a, a tremendous team there now, and uh, and uh, just enjoy working with them. Uh, one, one of the things I wanted to ask you about uh, when you came in, into D Detroit on uh, as your career as a firefighter and all your experience, what surprised you with uh, with the city of Detroit, with their tactics, how they operate? Um, what uh, what was kind of uh, a surprise to you or, or, or did you kind of have that understanding being so close to Michigan that you kind of knew how they operated and it was more of a, a I guess, a seamless uh, transition uh, into that department? Well, it, it, it wasn't necessarily seamless because, you know, the, um, um, uh, you know, pretty much everything is like seniority and how long have you been there and who was your classmate? <clears throat> and, um, and so all of a sudden, uh, 
this was a revelation. We, we got an ex-cop and a volunteer fireman. Now they're going to run the department. How's that going to work out? You know? And so uh, we, we kind of had to prove ourselves and, um, and uh, uh, it ended up working out very well. And so begrudgingly, you know, they, you know, I, I don't have any firefighting responsibilities. I mean, we've got, we've got the chiefs and, and the firefighters that do that. And um, uh, all I do is kind of like, su- you know, support them. So, so in other words, uh, uh, you know, begrudgingly, they're saying, well, yeah, I don't know all that, but I have a good relationship with the chiefs in, um, and, um, and, and even if, if I go like buff a fire, you know, there'll be a fire, I'll stop by and everything else and talk to the chiefs and, and everything. And sometimes they'll ask for, you know, advice or, or tell me what they're doing. I mean, so, so it's kind of like, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't tell anybody anything on the fire ground. That's not my job. And, uh, but on the other hand, um, uh, I, I did know about Detroit because of course I'd come up here and, and ride and, um, and, um, and yeah, we fought a few fires up here and, um, and, uh, it was funny because I was talking to an officer that I rode with and he says, yeah, he said, the guys are sitting around the table saying, who the fuck is for now? Um, uh, you know, they, you know, this guy's never been on a roof. Well, yeah, I have in Detroit. Yes, I have. Uh, he's, he's never made a turn on the top of the stair. Yes, I have, <laughs> you know? And so that, I mean, not like they did, but I mean, I, so I knew all about it now, as far as the tactics go, <clears throat> You can, you, you know, from the book, you can tell I'm a big fan of the reverse lay, which is going from the fire to the water supply. Well, that's what Detroit's always done. I mean, and, and I think that's that's excellent. Um, uh, we've, uh, uh, you know, they they've got LDH, they've got, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't see a thing wrong with this. And even Dennis Laguerre is a good friend of mine. Um, you know, he hates, you know, why it's you know wide lines like like we use, uh, you know, a two and a half and it's wide off into two inch and a half. And um, and he says, you know that you know he just doesn't think hydraulically that that works. And I said, Dennis, you've been here, you know it works every day in Detroit. And he said, well, I maybe that's the only department it works in. So you know, <laughs> begrudgingly, but but as far as the tactics go, yeah, I mean, and, and we've got a ways to go yet. I mean, it, it um, uh, uh, you know we're we're going to start intensifying writ training um, uh, the, the, the beginning of the year and that type of thing. And um, and, and and of course one of the big things <clears throat> that um, that we shepherd in here um, was the, um, uh, the the suppression companies going on uh, medical first responder runs, and um, and so that was uh, uh, that was quite a um, you know quite a change for the Detroit Fire Department. I mean, they've gone you know they squad companies would you know used to transport, and then of course we've always had the medical contingent here that, that started uh, uh, in the '60s, but. Um, but uh, uh, but having the suppression companies go so as the fires go down and every year our fires are getting less and less and less it's not the old Detroit <clears throat> and we still get people say well can I come up and ride on Devil's Night we say, well uh, to tell you the truth that's usually that's probably the slowest night of the year now you know it, it, it may, you may want to rethink that but um, um, but in any event with Detroit uh, um, um, now the now they're they're responding on these medical calls and uh and so they're still i mean we, we are still one of the busiest departments in the country and even though um uh and, and we do get a we do get a number of fires i mean we get you know on an average of maybe five a day yeah and so, um uh it's just yeah and, you know stru- this is structure fires now and so uh so yeah well you know we're still pretty busy and uh we still have people coming from around the country that want to get on the fire department and um uh, you know and, and hey uh we're, we're glad to do it but uh uh, but again, we've got uh, we've got a pretty good bunch of folks here. We've got um, uh, you know, the, and, you know a lot of experience, <clears throat> and so you know when I came in here, yeah, it was like you know who's this guy, and um, uh, but then on the other hand, now that uh, uh, you know they, they kind of begrudgingly they uh, they talk about it, and and uh, and uh, they uh, one of the things that we're doing now is looking at our standpipe situation and. Um, and uh, you know, so I go over to training and said, "Well, okay, here's all the stuff I did um, uh, when when Grand Rapids was changing. You know, with doing their they got a grant to um, to look at their standpipe operation. So they ended up bringing in a chief from Philadelphia who taught the administrative side, and then I taught the firefighting side of it, the water flow side of it. And so um, uh, and uh, and uh, so I go, I go and I go into uh, <clears throat> going to Grand Rapids now and oh yeah oh yeah you're you're the standpipe guy you know 
So I said to Detroit, you know, Detroit here, and I said, listen, I'll give you my PowerPoint, and I'll do all this kind of stuff, and I'll be happy to work with you on it. So, so it's it's a collaborative effort. We're doing that now. We're testing some new hoes. We're doing some other things. So, uh, uh, you know, again, it's it's just it, it's you can't do everything at once. So with Detroit, it's, we're taking steps at a time, and uh, and uh, things are uh, things are you know, I, I'm not saying turning around, but things are running very smoothly here now. Well, I mean, that just speaks too to the. Uh... Um, the collaboration that's that's kind of found uh, in the in in the in the fire service, especially those members that want to engage with others. I mean, bringing Philadelphia in uh, for standpipe operations is huge, given that they had their own major incident back in the early '90s with the Meridian fire, where that's correct. The where the where the bank where where they ran into, I think it was the PRVs, or they had so is so little. Um, uh, a flow in that fire. So to bring in a department that learned from such a terrible incident to help another department is such a good utilization um, of those skills. It's, it's really quite incredible. I wanted to talk real quick too. Um, you, you mentioned it earlier. Um, the D- Detroit definitely has their their style, and it's one of the most unique ones where they they drop their bundles at the fire. They're not going to short stretch. They're going to reverse lay to the water source. If that doesn't work, mm-hmm. they're going to go to the next water source, and, and uh, that clears the front uh, uh, for the truck to come in. Um, so, but even before coming to Detroit, why why was that your 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 preferred method of uh, water supply operations? Well, I, I grew up in Chicago, and um, I spent many many hours uh, on the Chicago Fire Department. I was a career firefighter in Addison, Illinois. And um, uh, very, very early in my career. And um, uh, and so uh, I would do 24 hours there, go home, get changed, go downtown and, and ride in Chicago. And uh, and that's and that was, um, you know, in the um, uh, in the early 60s when I mean, Chicago was burning, New York was burning, you know, that type of thing. And so we've got a tremendous amount of fires. But I, I, I just I like the fact that uh, uh, you, you just mentioned that the engine goes to the water source. If they have a bum hydrant, it can keep going. Um, uh, and then uh, they're out of the way, and uh, and uh, the uh, you know the, which leaves it open for the trucks, and of course in those days the snorkels would come in. But uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, and I just think that's where the engine belongs is at the water supply, you know, because now you've got total control of what comes out of that hydrant. No, I, that's so, that, that's one of the things I was definitely picking up from. Uh, from re- reading your book, it, it's been one of my, the things I've been kind of nerd, nerding out on the past uh, the, the the past week or so. It's been um, uh, really incredible. One of the things I really did take away was nowhere could I really find adequate information um, specifically relating to water supply. And this is no this is no you know attack on my own department, but I would ask members. Um, on, on my department, guys that have been there for, for a while, people that were, were setting policy and asking them, you know, well, why, why do we flow what we flow? Why do we do what, like, what, what's happening? What's the hydraulics behind it? And un- unfortunately, the, the, the best answer I could be given of why we supply this thing at 150 is because that little metal tag on the pump panel says that this truck is optimized at 150 PSI for gallons per minute. And that was it. That's the only thing I could get. And I, I, I guess it was one of those things, well, we got Hagen an answer, so we'll shut him up. Um, and I'll just kind of return uh, the other way. But one of the biggest kind of like you know, takeaways that I had gotten from you was the... Um, the, the the water delivery with versus four and five inch. I knew departments were going to five inch because it delivered more water. I couldn't tell you why. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell you though how much more water. And and really, when you present it to maybe someone disconnected from the industry doesn't doesn't understand it that much. Yeah, how much water delivery could you have going from one inch higher in a jacket? Well, 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 pretty much double. And that was probably yep. one of the probably one of the wildest epiphanies that I had that that going from four to five inches is going to double your water delivery. Uh, so again, that was um, one another like cool great thing that I found uh, from from your book. So uh, talking more on the on the nozzle side, if a department wants to start establishing. Uh, research into their water delivery, their, how they're get how they're getting water on the fire. Again, one of the coolest things that you compared or that you even talked about in your book 
was the nozzle. The nozzle itself is what creates the pressure. If you if mm-hmm. if the if the you open the discharge and you send that water out with no nozzle, you're gonna lose a bunch of that PSI. In order to make that that hose rigid, to make that stretch, to make that water go, it's a hundred percent reliant on the nozzle to create that back pressure to then force that water to then create that flow. Um, if a department wants to get into getting a nozzle, do, um, kind of maybe reevaluating, quote unquote, the way we've always done it. Uh, how, how would you recommend going into that? You've been in the fire service for a long time. You, you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. Uh, you know, if, if you if departments want to get into that, what, what would you recommend? What's their starting point? Well, the, the to evaluate uh, uh, a water delivery system, and and I'll I'll say now, you know, they, your attack lines. Let's let's just bring it to there. Okay, so if you're going to if you're going to evaluate a system, you're obviously going to need a flow meter. Okay, and because you know that that's what I always call the the, the water flow lie detector. Um, uh, but you're going to need a flow meter. You're going to need um, uh, a variety of nozzles. And um, and uh, so so one of the things that I would uh, uh, I would definitely uh, say is that uh, uh, pick up the phone and call Task Force or call Elkhart or call Akron and tell them you you'd like to have somebody out there and 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 they'll come out and they'll spend all day with you and they'll hook up a flow meter they can show you different you know different uh, nozzles they can do all kinds of things and then and then uh, uh, you know one of the you know it, right after the the book came out. Um, I did a series of videos, and, uh, and one of the videos was a smoothbore nozzle because every, everybody was, you know, New York has used smoothbores years and years and years, and um, and uh, I mean there, there were people that you know that, that uh, you're going to die if you use a smoothbore, and then you go to Illinois and uh, you know the uh, University of Illinois that handles fire training for the entire state, I mean they're they're telling you that uh, you know if you're going to be a fire department in Illinois you have to have a seven eight smoothbore. And, um, and, and and so consequently, you, you, you need to <clears throat> what's going to work for you. And uh, and so so the, the first thing I would do is contact the nozzle companies and say, hey, can somebody come out here and and uh, squirt a little water with us? And then and then uh, um, and then you know they'll ask you, well, well what, what are you looking for? What do you you know? Well, we're we're going to replace our nozzles. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And so um, uh, and, and 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 so it's going to end up that. Um, uh, it, you know, it's going to end up that uh, you'll be able to see, you know, what, you know, what you want to flow. And, and of course, one of the big problems is that, you know, uh, they sit there and say, well, I want to flow 180 gallons a minute. Well, how many people are on the first engine? Three. So who's going to, who's going to be able to control that? You're going to need two to three people to control that flow. And, uh, oh, I mean, New York City, uh, you know, uses a 15 16 and um uh and you know and, and a little bit of history that you know why who the hell decided 1516s well you go back where they had this rapid water and and, and, and union carbide had a, had this, this product called ucar uh and it was a, a long chain polymer and they found out if you injected it into the hose stream it actually reduced the friction loss so they wanted a targeted uh 250 gallons a minute and that's where they got uh, the, the rand corporation uh, came in and did consulting. So that's where they came up with inch and three quarter hose. And that's where they came up with the 15 16 nozzle because when, when it was used with the, was with, with the, uh, uh, the rapid water system, then, uh, uh, then all, then all of a sudden you're flowing 250 gallons a minute out of a, out of a smaller hose line. So everybody thought that was great. The only trouble is, uh, it was very temperature sensitive, you know, anything below 36 degrees and gummed up and, uh, anything over 70 degrees, uh, it wouldn't function. So, the container and the injection system had to be heated and cooled, and and of course that that got to be a problem. And uh, uh, so so when you go back to inch and three quarter hose and a 15 16 nozzle, it was never made to be used without the without the rapid water. However, uh, New York City found out that hey, if we don't use the rapid water, we're getting around 180 gallons a minute. We're okay with that. And uh, you know for the, for an inside attack line, but you know understand they put two they put two engine companies on that first line. So you've got a you've got a number of people that are, that are able to to move the line and uh, uh, and uh, you know you know counter the reaction and everything. So the first thing you look at is um, uh, and I'll go back to Detroit. Uh, everybody said, "Gee, why do you use inch and a half?" Well, you know, years ago they tried inch and three quarter, and um, uh, and uh, you know and that's the first thing I ask when I do a class. I, I said, "Why do you, who uses inch and three quarter holes?" And everybody's hands shoot up. Okay, why? 
and no one's they all sit there and look at each other and you know and we go into the history of it and there's nothing wrong with inch and three-quarter hose but it's it's kind of it's kind of become a de facto um you know the, the standard and um uh but on the other hand you know, okay so here in detroit we use inch and a half and we use a low pressure combination nozzle 125 it's at 75 and one person can handle that line flowing 125 gallons a minute and the second person doesn't need to be backing them up they can be shoving the hose up the stairs so it's it's uh uh and and then when you notice that we have we, we drop two of them so immediately you know that first that, that first stretch with 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 a with a two and a half um that that immediately gives you 250 gallons a minute and there's very few you know dwelling fires you can't handle with 250 gallons a minute and if you need more then you drop you drop a, um, a two and a half inch line and um and uh and so that's other 250 gallons a minute and uh so in any of and and um uh and, and, and so getting back to your question if you're going to do an evaluation yeah, call a nozzle company and, uh, and and say, hey, can you bring a couple? Of, you know, we're looking at low pressure, we're looking at this, we're looking at this, and and what I found, and if you if you kind of look at the book, when we we've tried all kinds of different people, and uh, you know, different sizes of firemen, different nozzles, and everything else, and you know, you can flow about 150 to 160 gallons a minute if if, if it's a low pressure nozzle, um, uh, you know, a nozzle that operates at a lower pressure, um, and um, and you'll be able to handle it. Now. Uh, uh, you know, everybody, and, and when I started out, of course, uh, NFPA says, uh, okay, you have to rate your nozzle. The flow has to has to be at 100 PSI. And, uh, and so the, the question was, who decided 100 PSI is, is a standard nozzle operating pressure? And, and then you, you go back to, uh, in the 30s, um, um, you know, smoothbore nozzles were used you know, uh, you know, you know that that was a standard nozzle, whether it was on a booster line or whether it was on an inch and a half or whatever. But the smoothbore nozzle was, you know, that was the standard nozzle. But anyway, um, um, uh, Elkhart bought a company in Germany called the Mystery Fog Nozzle Company, and uh, they brought it over. And uh, their their standard inch and a half nozzle, uh, you know, they operated at lower pressure there. And of course, you know, that was a twist. You twist you, you twisted it like a garden hose nozzle with open close, and that type of thing. And so. Um, um, they wanted to know how much water did it float. And an Elkhart engineer told me this. And he said, um, uh, so what they did was they got 55-gallon drums, and um, they would um, go ahead and um, uh, flow the nozzle. It was about 50 pounds. And uh, they found that it wasn't, it wasn't flowing very much water. It was flowing, you know, 60 gallons a minute, 50 gallons a minute right in there. And so they, they sat there and said, well, you know, this, we don't know if that's going to be enough flow. You know, I mean, we, we got to get more out of it. So then somebody had the right idea. Well, let, let's double that to 100 psi and see what happens. And so when they did that, it came out and <laughs> to 95 gallons a minute. And so for years, you know, all through the 60s, you know, the, the standard attack nozzle was, was 95 gallons a minute at 100 psi. And, and it's like, why wasn't it, why why wasn't it ever 100 at 100? Because that's what the mystery nozzle floated at 100. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of crazy. So. So the first thing that we, I wrote a story for fire engineering about low pressure nozzles, and I go back to Chicago. Well, right after World War II, Chicago, you know, was 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 using smooth bores, and um, the fire commissioner um, uh, uh, Bob Quinn, who later became fire commissioner, um, they uh, they decided they wanted to run their attack line with a with a fog nozzle on it, and so they bought uh, they they bought Elkhart mystery nozzles, the twist nozzles, but they bought the two and a half inch version. And with inch and a half threads on it, and I, I don't know who made that decision, but if if you go back and look at that, uh, you know those nozzles, the gallonage would change. So if you go to a wide fog, you got 250, but if you went to straight stream, you were about 150 gallons a minute. And uh, uh, so so whoever decided on that particular nozzle, that was the world's first low pressure operating nozzle, and um, and uh, it ended up that. Uh, uh, but there was a guy named Gory Harris, and he was the Elkhart rep in Chicago. And this was this was uh, in the in the late in the yeah, the late sixties, and um, and he ended up uh, uh, you know they came to them, uh, and, and they were doing ninety five at hundred, and uh, they just weren't getting the performance. I mean, the, the guys wanted to go back to the old twist nozzles, which were you know you know aging and coming apart and everything else, and so he ended up he ended up doing a, a one fifty at fifty. Elkhart nozzle, they changed the stem out in it, 
and of course, then the rest was history. So then that's that's what Chicago started buying. And uh, and uh, well, I wrote the story, and I said, okay, why why are we operating at 100 psi? Uh, we don't need to do that. And, uh, and and making it even worse, you've got automatic nozzles, and and they're designed to maintain 100 psi. You know, it, it, that, you know that that's what it that's what it does. And uh, and so it ends it ended up that um, uh, it ended up that, that that started the low pressure. And of course, that's in the book about you know low operating pressure nozzles and everything else. And and uh, and uh, you have to you have to kind of think about it. And you have to kind of be sure that you know your hose is straight, and uh, uh, you know you, you don't have this hydraulic. Um, uh, you know, unkinking of the hose that, that you would have, you know, if you're operating a 100 psi nozzle. But anyway, so that's that's all something to consider, and you have to consider the human aspect. Is that you know what can I handle if I'm by myself, uh, and I or I've got somebody behind me humping the hose in, um, uh, you know, can I operate this thing? And 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 one of the one of the things that, that I've seen is that, and especially in that Hackenstack Ford video. Was that 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 navy nozzle was horribly overpressurized? So they would open it, and 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 they couldn't handle it. They'd have to shut it. They would open it and shut it. They could not keep a constant stream of water on that fire, and so that kind of has to come into it too. Is that uh, whatever whatever I would do, you know, um, flow testing? Uh, we say, okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to I, I, we're going to go ahead and flow, and then I, I want you to crawl, okay, with the line. You know, and, and I want it operating up, down, all around. You know, like, like you're like you're going in on an attack, and then I tell them quickly turn to the right, make a turn to the right. And a lot of times they can't do it, and they, that's when they usually fall on their butt. And um, uh, and so it, it's like you're you're going to have to be able to do this. So as you evaluate the nozzle, uh, you can always say I want this flow, but what you're going to have to do is what can I control? And then once you figure out how much and the max you can control. And what you're comfortable with, then, then yeah, okay, now now you can start looking at what nozzle you want and that type of thing. So that's kind of what I would do. It's a uh, it's a process, but you but you definitely need low meter because um, that's going to tell you exactly how much you're flowing. And uh, and uh, you know I've got charts in the book and everything else that says okay, uh, um, uh, you know if, if if you have a nozzle that's rated uh, you know it's it, it, say 150 at 50, but what does it flow at 65? And you can you can actually you know calculate that, but you know, for the most part, again, uh, it, it's a, the human factors is, 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 you know, a, a big part of it. And so when you look at a Detroit fire and you see these folks, and when they get that line charged, I mean, it goes and it goes like a rocket because they can, they can go ahead and, um, uh, you know, they can go ahead and move it. They can handle it a lot easier. And again, sometimes when you get, you know, you, you're going up the stairs and you're doing some other stuff. Yeah. You might need somebody behind you, but again, this all, you know, it, it, it's like, um, uh, if, if they had a 15, 16 smoothbore on there, they'd have a hell of a time. You know, it, it, it would, not that they couldn't do it, but it would be so much, you know, so much tougher than than uh, than, uh, than than is like it is now. But I mean, so you know, we're kind of happy with what we have. And, and people tell me, why do you use engine half? It works. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and I. Why don't you come and come in and watch them? They put fires out every day with this stuff, <laughs> and uh, and they don't they don't get driven out. They you know they they get in and get it and it's done. You know, and so uh, so it's it's actually what works for you. That's that's the most important thing. So so uh, taking that kind of same mindset, of what works for you? Um, you you talk a little bit too in, in the book about uh, when it comes down to specking an apparatus, and I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of departments that when um, a, a, an apparatus time comes around and we start looking at uh, uh, what's available, and what's on there, a lot of times I think we gravitate towards, um, I, I want I want the Whalen, you know, XJ9, you know, blinder on this side. I want it to be mm -hmm. black over red. I want the, I want Rhino lining here. I want an EQ2B in addition to a Federal Q uh, and one of the things you kind of mentioned uh, early on in your book is there's kind of that that all that stuff is, is sexy, but it, it doesn't really look at what this engine is going to be doing. What's what's the main purpose of this engine? So if you could expound on when it is that time for apparatus specking, when it when we do commit, when we do find those committees and it is time to start looking at um, our apparatus. What should, aside from you know how how bright and how loud we can make it, and for some departments, how quickly can we turn our ugly yellow trucks into red ones? 
um, mm-hmm. what, uh, what, what should we also be evaluating? Well, I, I think, again, what, I'll go back to what works for you. And I'll, and I'll take a good example. Um, um, department, this is, this is going to be the first truck they bought in 10 years. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be an engine, and they, they want to do all this other kind of stuff. And, and they're, they're going to put a 2,000-gallon-a-minute pump on it. And the first thing I say, okay, I mean, why do you need 2,000? I mean, do you need it for your ISO rating or whatever? Well, no, but I, we just want a big pump on it. Well, yeah, okay, but you understand that, that – do you have a place you can test it because you've got to use two suctions so the suction has to come off of each side and um and uh we had a, a situation um uh, it's interesting uh dayton ohio uh because i lived right near there and worked with those guys and and um they uh, they had bought a stock unit and it had a 2000 gallon pump on it uh but but the, the, the cistern that they used at the fire academy they couldn't get two suctions in it and uh, it was like well geez what are we going to do and i said easy um uh, call Hale, and uh, and uh, uh, and I gave him the name of an engineer. Tell him you want to derate the pump to 1500, and they'll send you no plates for it. And then you can then you can get by with one suction. And and so so you have to kind of think practical things like that. Um, you also want to think about um, uh, you know and I'll, and I'll take a Detroit. I mean they're tough on apparatus in Detroit. And so um, uh, you know we've got we've got push pull controls, but we use sector gears on the inside as a. a, a, a to activate the valve instead of just a, a rod that goes and is pinned into the valve, uh, you know things of that sort. But um, uh, but do you need that? Probably not. But again, you you, you want to go ahead and, and, and you say, okay, I, I want an LDH discharge. Uh, that should be at least three inch. Uh, four inch is fine. Uh, do I need a front suction? Do I need a rear suction? Um, uh, you know, if, if you're forward laying, uh, maybe the rear suction would be a good idea. And so, so this is the kind of stuff you you have to look at the what you know what's going to fit your operation and um and uh you know then I mean, i've bought a lot of fire trucks and i sold a lot of fire trucks in my time and um uh, it ended up uh, uh, on my on my previous department we ended up getting a hell of a deal on a demonstrator and um uh and and it was uh, set up like a phoenix pumper now the, the phoenix uh, the engine is behind the cab um and there's cross lanes of you know uh, over that and uh and then it's got a rear mount pump on it. And and now for a rural operation, I mean, since we bought that thing, my God, that, that rear mount pump is phenomenal. And uh, because, you know, we, we set the porta tank right up behind the rig and, and boom, one suction, you're in the porta tank and, and uh, uh, you know, the pump controls are on the side. And and, uh, and that thing has been, has been a, you know, a, a heck of a thing. And, um, and uh, a department nearest Lockington came and looked at our truck and then the committee just decided that's what they wanted. But they wanted an 1800 gallon tank and they wanted to put a two and a half inch pre-connect on the front with their um, with their ground monitor on it and everything and the, and the, the, the they, 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 they took a lot of time on that rig and uh, it was unusual but it's probably one of the best rural trucks you know i've ever seen and they love it and uh and so uh, you know it, it's like um uh you know what you know what do you want the truck to do if it's going to be a rescue pumper well now you're going to have to put tools down there and um and uh you know mount those and and um and uh so so i i think it, the other thing that the people don't do is um uh they sit there and they want to buy a rig and then uh, they realize that oh the 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 uh, ppv fan won't fit in the compartment um okay you should have measured that fan before before you specified the compartments and uh and so uh, uh you know that, so that's the other thing and again you're going to need to work and i and i would you know at first work with a with a couple different salespeople, um, and uh, and with us, the biggest the biggest thing with us is what kind of service do you have? And uh, and uh, because if, if if I got an aerial stuck in the air at, at two in the morning, how soon can you get out there and get it down for me? You know. So anyway, uh, but that's that's the big thing. But as far as the water flow goes, um, uh, you know, be sensible. And um, uh, you know, what size tank do you need? And um, uh, I uh, we had one fire department that. that um, in Ohio, Marion, Ohio, and um, uh, they uh, had 500-gallon tanks, but they ran a downtown station that they ran a a, a, a mid-mount tower out of, and then uh, two outlying stations. And this this new was supposed to be for an outlying station, and uh, but there's only two people there, and so uh, so anyway, uh, uh, if they had a fire, you know, the two people would go to work on the fire, and then the supply line would end up coming from that from that uh, platform that came in. And so um, uh, w- when we were talking about this, it ended up that with the money that they had, 
the company that I was working for at the time had a had a uh, a, 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 a what we call stock units, but it had a thousand gallon tank in it. And they said, "Geez, we don't know about the tank." And I said, "Well, I really think about this. I mean, if these guys get a garage, I mean, they can pretty much you know put the whole fire out. You know, by the time the the rig from downtown gets there." And uh, and uh, and they, they well yeah you know well, they were still a little concerned but they got the rig and uh, uh, and it ended up that uh, uh, there was a there was a town that uh, wanted to buy one like it they called the chief up and uh, the chief says well we made one big mistake when we bought that rig and they said what was it he said we didn't buy two of them and um, and since that time they bought thousand gallon tanks and, and you know even though they have hydrants all over it made sense in their particular area to go with the extra water. Um, uh, you know, Detroit's got hydrants all over. We don't need the extra water, uh, but we, we like our hose bed lower. So it's easier to stretch and it's easier to, you know, it's easier to pack back up again. So, so, you know, that's, you can get an, an L-shaped tank. Okay. So that, that's going to lower the hose bed a little bit. So, so that's, the, that's the kind of stuff you have to look at. <clears throat> and, um, and, uh, you know, I see these rigs and, and, uh, they got five inch hose and my God, you got to climb a ladder to get to it. And uh, and so that that rig maybe be set up nice for rescue and everything, but but for fighting fires, geez, you know, maybe not as good. So so that's a, you know that, that that's kind of a, and and then uh, another good example is that um, um, uh, you know you certainly want preconnects on it and, um, and and maybe a bigger preconnect, and um, and that's when we went to two inch shows, and um, uh, and uh, you know we had an inch and an eighth tip on there, so that gave us you know it was easier to maneuver than than two and a half. Uh, but it gave us 250 gallons a minute, and uh, and we were happy with that. And then uh, and then we took another line that, that uh, uh, you know we 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 put about 500 feet of two and a half, and then and then put it on a on a ground monitor, happened to be an Elkhart Ram that we uh, uh, that we had coupled up, and we've used that many times. I mean, you pull up and have a barn going during the day, and there's only two people or three people on that first rig. You can you can put 500 gallons a minute on that fire safely, like right now. And so that's something else to consider. And uh, so, so like you said, you you want to explore, um, you know, the water flow hardware you're going to use, and you'd want to you want to explore what equipment you're going to carry, measure it, weigh it, okay. And um, and and uh, if you go into NFPA 1901, there's 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 workbooks you can pull out of there, copy out of there, and um, and go ahead and um, and and put this all together. So when the salesman comes and you say, okay, this is what we want. And they're going to say, okay, you're going to need a rig this big, and I would recommend this engine. And that's the other thing: do you have a lot of hills, or is it flat? Uh, you know, that, you know, as far as the powertrain and everything else goes. And and whether you put a Q2B on there or not, don't forget the Q2B doesn't fight any fire. But uh, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to have. And um, but um, but on the other hand, uh, uh, you know, specking a truck is a and it's a it's a long process, and it's kind of a pain in the butt. And, um, uh, and, and you're going to spend a lot of time with it. And, uh, and then when you finally, uh, you know, put it out for bid, you decide what you want. Well, then you, you need to sit down and go through every single page of the spec with a salesman and initial of pages. Is this what you want? Is this, you know, because that's, that's how the truck's going to be built. And, you know, so that's another thing that you need, you know, that, that there's an awful lot of, um, uh, of administrative time in buying a unit. And so, uh, so, uh, you know, don't just buy something that looks pretty and, and, uh, uh, when, when all of a sudden, when you get it, you realize, you realize it, uh, not going to work for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's a big thing too, that, that, you know, you know, our department is, is definitely under that same, um, evaluation too, is, is we mm -hmm. have, we, we do have the trucks, but, but it is time to eva evaluate that one, our, ch you know, this is our first truck in 20 years. We are, our, our landscape yeah. on our, on our, on our township has changed where where we had mm -hmm. uh, where we had just open field is now commercial dwellings where we had open areas around the lakes those are all packed in with two and three thousand foot homes four feet apart I mean, we, we took a we took a tape measure out there the other day and we have two giant lake homes four feet apart and uh, in between them is a generator so we also have setbacks where it can only be accessed by all-terrain vehicles so you know it 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 is certainly uh, an evaluation of of what your coverage area is, your staffing, and even even though you have mutual aid, mutual aid is going to have their own staffing issues, their own um, busy schedule, especially if they run their own ALS and they're going to be running maybe their, their medicals, and it's going to be that time where 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 your mutual aid departments have 
you know, two cardiac arrests going while you now simultaneously have two structure fires going at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it, it, everything that you're speaking is definitely, you know, if one thing I've learned too, just in talking with, you know, so many firemen from across the country is if one person is feeling something, if one person is experiencing something, there is, there are hundreds of firefighters going through that same, same thing. So we're in the process too of going through, through apparatus specking. We're in the process of reevaluating our nozzles where we have on our, on our rigs, we have on our two and a half, we have two twenty five GPM hundred PSI co- uh, uh, fog nozzles, and th- yeah. those things are a bitch to manipulate, especially with two two guys <laughs> stepping off the rig. Um, you know, yeah. so some of the, some of the heartache and some of the 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 issues that that I run into, and I know other people run into, is trying to change that mindset of of your of your leadership, who. Um, who who they themselves either put these nozzles in place or they were trained on them so it's not just mm-hmm. a for for some especially for me it's not just a nozzle swap it's a complete like re-education of your leadership and taking them maybe in an area that they're uncomfortable with so for mm-hmm. for, for firefighters um and this might be a little bit different on detroit fire but probably something that you've certainly experienced in your career uh if we have firefighters that are 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 really engaged they're really passionate they they have uh they're reading literature they're they're seeking out sources and they're looking at maybe changing uh sort of the 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 way we've always done it sort of mindset either in in what kind of what kind of tools they run color choice Mm -hmm. nozzle selection you know as as a member of you know senior leadership like yourself and a person that served as a, a company officer and everything in between, you know what is your recommendation for those firefighters that might meet that resistance, but might come with it with that same sort of passion and and hopefully education behind them. Well, you know it it it, it goes back to a, a lot of things. I remember um, uh, you know when the book came out and. And um, and uh, people are really pushing, you know, smooth bores. And there was a big divide. And um, we would find some older folks that <clears throat> said, "Yeah, we used them all the time. That you know, definitely, that's what we, what we, uh, what we want." And uh, but then some of the younger folks said, "No, no, no, no. I got to have automatic nozzles. I, you know, uh, you're going to die if you use a smooth bore in a building and that type of thing." And and um, and and so it, it it's it's hard to say and. You know, you get you get all kinds of firefighters, and, and you know, there's there's like two thousand shades of red. You know, and uh, and somebody's going to complain that the shade of red that's on the ring is, is is not the one they wanted. They wanted one that was you know that, that was more maroon colored. And, um, and so the the whole idea is that you you're going to have to open open up your your mind. Um, uh, and I and I always I always tell people before I do a nozzle class or do a flow class. And I said, uh, you know, just just go ahead and stick uh, an inch, inch and an eighth tip in one ear, and just kind of flush the brain out of all the old stuff that you've heard about or thought about. And you know, we're going to go ahead and, um, uh, you know, you, you just open your mind up and see what's going to happen here. And um, and uh, usually by the end of the day, you know, with the flow meters and with the different hose and by handling all the other stuff, uh, yeah, then yeah, you, you, now you're going to start to get a perspective of what goes on. And uh, and the same thing with designing a fire truck. Well, you know, what do we need? I mean, do, do, do we want a commercial chassis? Do we need, um, uh, you know, a, a, something else? I mean, like, like in your particular case, okay, if you've got problems getting in, you want to put a, you know, a, maybe a 1250 tank on there, a 2000 gallon tank, uh, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't think so. But, uh, uh, you know, where my parents lived up in Wisconsin, Delavan, Wisconsin, they've got a pretty progressive fire department up there. And, and of course they, um, uh, you know, they've got hydrants all over the city, but, uh, when they bought, uh, they, they, they bought an engine a few years ago and they, they put a 2000 gallon tank on it and everybody thought they were nuts. And, um, uh, and I've got a video. They, uh, uh, this guy was working on his car and the thing exploded in the garage. They got there, the whole front of the house was going and, and it was, it was so neat that they pulled up in front and they deck gunned it and knocked the just knocked the stuffing out of the fire and then they they, they pulled a two inch and um started mopping it up but when you see the knockdown and, and that right there is that everybody thought they were crazy running two thousand gallons of water on city streets but 
you know, for, for that particular thing, um, uh, you know, they knew the manpower, <clears throat> you know, it, uh, it, it takes a while for everybody to get there and, uh, you know, volunteer department, that type of thing. And, uh, uh, and it improved itself right there. And it was, you know, the video was amazing. So that's something to think about too. So don't discount anything, sit there and talk about it. And, uh, and uh, you know, one of the things that uh, when we looked at, we had uh, 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 all of our former squad trucks, you know, uh, were, you know, they, they were like parcel delivery trucks for years. And then um, uh, 17 years ago, they bought the, uh, uh, the SVIs, you know, which were, you know, walk, uh, uh, what they call a walk-in rescue. But the trouble is, you know, they're, they're only, uh, they're only running four guys on that thing. And, uh, and uh, so they're hauling around an awful lot of air. Okay. And, um, and, uh, our predecessors, they had a fire here where, uh, where the, uh, engine company uh, was running a mini bumper, um, because uh, they didn't have any spare engines available and they pulled up on a fire and, and uh, somebody died in it. And, uh, uh, and, and so one of the things that, uh, they said that every, every, you know, first out suppression piece is going to have water on it. Something I believe in. We've always, uh, our ladder trucks have always had water on them, you know, the booster pump and, two red lines and uh, and so when we bought the new squads um you know we got we got guys from the uh, you know we got guys from the uh, you know that were working on the squad companies we talked about it we did uh, uh you know we did all kinds of things so so our squads have a 300 gallon tank and it has a it has a pump on it and, a, and just one red line and you, you have to you know understand out of our seven squads uh five of them are in houses with no engines and so if they go, um, uh, you know, and, and I'll take squad three, um, uh, they're all by themselves. So if they, if they go on uh, Interstate 94, they might get a car wreck. The car's burning. Somebody's trapped in there and they'd have to wait for an engine. Well, now they can go to work right away. So uh, it was interesting because uh, we're buying two more. And, um, uh, and uh, so, we, so we had the, you know, we, we've got an advisory board. And, um, uh, and so, you know, we had those guys there. We had squad people there and they brought squad three over to the shop. And we walked around it and, um, and, uh, we stood there. So we opened up the back compartment and I said, all right, you want water on it or not? And, um, and all the officers are, ah, we're not giving that up. Nope. Nope. You know, and it's interesting because uh, they were complaining about, about it before, but now I said, you were carrying air around, you know, you, but, but now this you're fighting fires with. And, um, and so they, um, uh, yeah, so that, that, that was pretty successful. So, so that was something that, you know, you, uh, uh, a little resistance at first, and then all of a sudden now they, they wouldn't want to be without it. So, uh, um, so like you said, it, it, it's something you have to kind of open your eyes up and, uh, and, um, and, uh, and, and, and again, just, just, just do that brain flush and, uh, and, uh, be open to, you know, to, uh, it, and, uh, uh, what was interesting too, is that I, I did a consulting job down in Memphis and, um, uh, the, the, the fire, uh, I think they call him the superintendent down there who, who runs the fire department. <clears throat> uh, many, many years ago in the fifties, uh, you had a Lieutenant and the Lieutenant was the nozzle. Man, okay. They were on the back step and then the, the captain was in the cab. And, um, and when they, when they got a fire, uh, you know, Memphis was the, was the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, birthplace of fog firefighting. And, uh, if you go back in the literature, uh, that was where the FDIC was held and um, and uh, and they would do all these different demonstrations and everything, and and it was fog, fog, fog in the in the late 50s. I mean, everything was fog was magic, you know. And um, uh, so it ended up that um, that they uh, uh, that uh, he called me in and and, and said, listen, uh, I mean, we want to change our nozzles. And he said, I remember when I was a lieutenant, I you know I always had to carry a smoothbore in my pocket. And he said, but I would come on duty that day, I take the damn fog nozzle off, put smoothbore on there. And uh, he wanted to go back to smoothbores. Well, okay, so we, you know, they they bought all our stuff from Elkhart. So uh, uh, Blair Schrock from Elkhart came down. I came down, and um, and uh, so we we got the four busiest engine companies in the city, and um, I took them through, you know, the nozzle class. And we talk about, you know, the, the history of nozzles. We talk about the, the GPM and the 100 psi, and and they were running 100 psi nozzles then. And um, uh, and then we I got into it, and then we did the smoothbores. Okay. And boy, you could tell these guys were all bowled up, man. They had, you know, you know, they, they had their arms crossed, and they, you know, they were not. This was not receiving, you know, they were not, were not it wasn't, you know, wasn't getting through to them. So then we went out to the uh, to the burn tower, and which um, you couldn't burn it anymore, but you were able to flow water. 
And so uh, you put the flow meter on and, uh, and did a 7 eighths tip and, and showed them how much more water they were flowing and everything else. And they all agreed, yeah, but uh, they were not they were not buying into the smooth board. So we went back to the superintendent's office and the, uh, the, the director of training and Blair and I, and, and we said, look, uh, chief, this isn't working. Uh, these guys are not, you know, the, the, you know, they are not going to accept uh, the smooth board. So I said, why don't we take it a step further and we'll do a low pressure. And uh, okay. So then and luckily the Elkhart guy had enough in his car. So the next day, for the next shift, I, I did I did the whole thing, went past the food board, went into low pressure, took them out, and uh, they, they fell in love with oaks. And uh, so, so there was a case where the culture of that department was not going to change. And, uh, uh, and uh, so we ended up putting, uh, we calibrated every engine and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and, and put a low pressure on every engine and, and they ended up buying houses for the entire department. They're very happy. But it took a couple of days of evaluation. But there again, you had to recognize that the, the, the culture of that department was not going to accept smoothbores. So about uh, about ten years after that, I get a call and they said, uh, "Hey, uh, uh, you did this consulting thing here, yeah?" And, uh, and this was a lieutenant that was in the uh, training center. And he said, "Well, you know, we want to put smoothbores on." And I said, "Well, let me tell you what happened." And I told him that, and I said, "You're going to have a tough time, you know, breaking through it. I mean, there's a lot of tradition there and." And actually, you're flowing 150 gallons a minute. Why would you want to put a smoothbore on there? You know, and no, no, no. This was he had his mindset. That's what he's going to do. So it ended up that he, uh, uh, you know, they, they put smoothbores in a couple of departments, and uh, ended up uh, uh, a guy was cooking in the kitchen, uh, spilled grease and burned himself, and uh, uh, and uh, when he went to the hospital, he told the chief, he said, well. Eric was cooking, and I was so worried about getting a fire and having to use a smoothbore that I, I wasn't watching what I was doing. I mean, I mean that's how bad it was. And so I, uh, and, and, and and yeah, so they ended up not doing that. Uh, uh, but but there again, you've got to you, you, uh, if there's only one or two people, and you you can get a consensus to go around those people. Okay, that's fine. But, but this one, there was no way that the smoothbores were going to work in that department. And, and you know, and it was just because of what they were taught and you know, over the years and everything else. And yeah, so, but, uh, but anyway, so, uh, uh, so if you're sitting down and, and you've got a, a group of folks, uh, you know, the whole idea is that, uh, uh, hey, we're going to have to give and take here. And we're going to have to do some other stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, do we want to do a class A foam system on the rig? And do we want to do this? Do we want to do this? And, and so, uh, uh, so yeah, that's, you know, uh, it, it, and, and every fire department's different. No, I, it, absolutely. Every fire department is different. Every uh, engine house, uh, every fire department is different. But it's funny we we all we all seem to have the same old cast of characters at every single uh, firehouse. It's just oh, yeah. it's oh just, absolutely. It's just a matter of what your culture is on on like on the, the 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 base layer. But pretty much we all we all have the same. We have the same. We have the same guys. The same girls. We have the same um, types of folks. Um, on our department, uh, Dave, do you have any uh, anticipation of doing? Um, more, I know COVID kind of changes things up pretty pretty heavily. Are you still engaged in teaching nozzle classes? Um, I guess. Pre, oh yeah, pre oh yeah, we can still do that. Okay, wonderful. Uh, and then, um, when, uh, when when's book number two coming out? We need. It's been it's been a little while. We need the follow up book. <clears throat> Well, I tell you, I've got, uh, uh, it's when I get off my duff and do it. Uh, I, I have a contract to do this second edition. And um, uh, the uh, editor, um, uh, Craig Haig, uh, at, at, um, at the fire engineering, he said, you know, uh, he, you know, his, somebody came up to him at FDIC and, and, um, and, and said, when are you going to do a, a second uh, edition of that book? And he, he said, well, I don't know. I, you know, I got to call the author. And he said, well, you know, uh, we ended up going on Amazon and, and, and uh, there was a book there and it was a thousand dollars and five guys contributed to buy that book. And he said, I realized then that, that, yeah, that that's, that's, that's going to be updated. So, uh, so we're working on it right now. I, uh, 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 the COVID of course has slowed things down a little bit, but, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that within a year I, we can uh, get that up and running. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, in the interim, I guess if, if you are still doing your nozzle cla uh, nozzle class, um, you know how um, is it open to to uh, other municipalities uh, groups? How how do you normally yeah. run your nozzle class? Well, normally it, it depends. If somebody wants to sponsor it, you know, okay, um, uh, they're gonna, you know, th that's easy, and um, uh, then we can 
we can go ahead and, uh, you know, just make the arrangements and, you know, just invite whoever you want to invite. That's awesome. Dave, uh, I, I can't appreciate uh, this enough. Thank you so much for taking this, uh, this hour to, this hour to speak with me and kind of nerd out on nozzles and flow and, and kind of the, 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 the fire service itself. So thank you so much. Oh, listen, not a problem at all. And I hate, listen, happy to help and, um, um, uh, just and stay safe. Yeah, you, you as well. And best of luck to everyone on, uh, on the city of Detroit. Okay. Thank you very much. You take care now. All right. We'll see you Dave. Bye. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, uh, and, following us even during the hiatus i promise we're not gonna let that uh, go that long ever again uh and thank you to dave fornell and all the work he's doing and i am jacked for his uh second volume book that hopefully is coming out uh, soon so please get out there uh stretch every day throw some ladders and make this job better uh than how you got it the day before all right we'll see you bye